Hey everybody, this is Dan, host of the Crown and College Show, brought to you by the Coast of the Podcast Network. Do you enjoy reading, but also like to hear your books every once in a while? If so, I've got just the thing for you. Audible is an audiobook service brought to you by Amazon. So go to audibletrial.com slash coldslither to get a 30-day trial plus a free book. In doing so, you help to keep our show free, which we greatly appreciate. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don Delorente, and I'm joined by That So Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Hey, what's up? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to talk to you. It's been a minute since I've been on the show. Yes. Me crazy. You always seem to come back when we have the big topic, so I guess you're the main eventer. <laughs> Funny. And we're also joined by none other than Tyler Ball. What's going on, Tyler? What's happening? What's happening, folks? I'm recording live on location as I prepare for about a pool party of about 6,000 people, so I'm, uh, I'm a little excited. It feels like Christmas morning to me. <laughs> so if I'm a little animated... You just uh, just understand and bear with me. All right. You can follow Jesse on Twitter at That's So Jesse. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at TABall1. You can also follow me on Twitter at Don DeLorente. And follow the show, Know the Score, at KTS Pod. You can listen to us through CSPN.us, also through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So, the first topic on the ledger college football kicked off last weekend. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day. As we had the big game, Alabama defeated FSU in the brand new Mercedes-Benz Arena in Atlanta. Um, the big news that came out of this game, of course, was the injury to FSU's quarterback, Deion Francois. He's got a patella tendon injury, and he's going to be out for the season. So, Tyler, I'll get your thoughts first. Um, Jacob Hurts looks to be improved through a couple of nice deep balls. Um, Alabama's defense looked pretty good. Uh, forced a lot of turnovers from Francois before he got injured. Um, you know, no uh, Dalvin Cook this year for FSU, so they're searching around for identity at the running game. Just put your overall takes on last Saturday. Um, just, just the fact that Alabama's defense had some chinks in it in the in the first half, but because they have so much athleticism. Uh, they can do things that most teams can't. For some, for example, putting your starters in on special teams like Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech directly led to two uh, quick change um, special teams plays, including one block punt that pretty much salted away the game. Uh, you would think that Florida State would be able to make a play or two in the second half. I mean, they were they essentially were just one play away from making it a a even ball game or even take the lead, but they never got a chance because every critical third down, uh, Alabama turned up the pressure and Francois, even before the injury was having to throw through and around. It seemed like eight people on defense. Uh, quite honestly, Alabama's defense was almost was to more to me that was a more impressive to me than Michigan's and Michigan is getting a whole lot of pub this uh this past week in the media but that's that's probably because alabama we're used to alabama being dominant uh i mean really only one negative play was seeing um uh, 
of Alabama's all-star corner getting uh, getting beat on a play where he was just out positioned. Other than that, Alabama played almost a, almost as good as you expect them to play. Um, offensively, Alabama always has a big play receiver. Uh, in this case, it's uh, Ridley, who uh, is going to step into that Amari Cooper role, Julio Jones role, and be the number one guy. Uh, he actually showed that in the spring game, so that was no surprise either. Hurts tends to to Jalen Hurts tends to uh, he's still hit or miss for me. He's just more athletic than a lot of other Alabama quarterbacks that we've seen. Um, then again, he's only a sophomore and he can get better. And Alabama scheduling tends to favor them towards the end of the season. So I think just and just improvement from Hurts makes them a very, very, very good squad and pretty, pretty, uh, you can pretty much, uh, pencil them in the, uh, playoff. Okay. Jesse, do you want to throw any counterpoints to anything that Tyler had to say about, uh, Alabama? Do you think that they may be vulnerable this year? You're still on mute, Jesse. Sorry. Let me try that again. One second. Okay. Let me try that again. So I don't really have any counterpoints, um, towards Alabama per se. Um, I remember watching, it was, very defensive, very, it was a very tight run ship. And as Tyler said, you know, I, I think they're them, I mean, Alabama are the ones that I pencil in them in the championship. Um, but when the, in regards to Florida State, um, I want to bring up kind of the, the deal of DeAndre Francois' injury. Um, you know, they've been building and working to have Francois play, you know, the starting quarterback. And I mean, I'm sure they'll replenish, replace the next man up with all, all that, but. It's kind of sucks that happened to him. Yeah. yeah, because the big emphasis this year was on him not taking the big hits this year because, I mean, he mm-hmm. took so many towards the end of the season. And luckily he got up every time last year. But um, just unfortunate, like you said, this year it just happened and he won't be able to play again. So on to another exciting game in college football. It was Sunday night as the UCLA Bruins came back to defeat the Texas A&M Aggies, the biggest comeback ever in college football. At one point, they were down 34 points. It was an amazing, uh, you know, Josh Rosen going back to the days of Dan Marino with the fake spike to get the game-winning touchdown. So um, did you guys watch this game live? Did you see the, you know, these things unfolding, um, you know, and the momentum shifts as it looked like, you know, Texas A&M was just going to get, you know, Business as usual. They were the favorite in the game, but you know, Josh Rosen just turned it on. So Jesse, I've never seen. I've seen plenty of college games capitulate. I've never seen anything like that happen. Um, yeah, that's really all I got, and I couldn't. I wasn't able to watch it live. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but you know, it's kind of yeah. That's that's, that's crazy, even for college football standards. That that so that turned the capitulation to go. To lose, to be down as many points, even Atlanta was looking at them like, "Damn, what happened here?" <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely. Usually, we see games that end up forty five, forty four, but they're usually you know touchdown for touchdown. They're not one team getting out to a huge margin and then another team having to scrap back to to tie it and then eventually take the lead. Tyler, um, Kevin Sumlin, uh, he was already on the hot seat coming in. Um, the edict was he had to win, and he had to win big. Uh, he's playing in the toughest, you know, conference in college football. Um, is this basically his swan song right here? 
the seat went from hot to a very, very hard boil um, after after last night, even to the point where uh, his uh, family is receiving threats from uh, the community, from the from the community. Someone sent a letter to his house similar to uh, Remember the Titans. That's that's kind of, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But sticking to the football field, uh, now he knows what he's up against. He now knows that how how hot the CD is and how people feel that, you know, they've spent all this money re, uh, totally renovating Kyle Field, uh, renovating the facilities, and they want a return on their investment. Uh, of course, that's not to justify the poor behavior the poor public behavior of not only the board of regents uh, who made a post on Facebook about uh, not renewing someone's contract, but in addition to the, uh, the letter that some crazed fan wrote in and mailed it to someone's house. So I think that it's, it's just, a, it's another day in college football, unfortunately, but for who is a black coach, in the SEC, the microscope tends to get bigger and bigger with every loss, every poor decision. Uh, it's it's unfortunate because he's done a lot for Texas a football in his time. But in a results-driven league, it's all about results. And right now, um, something like what happened on Sunday night just, just can't happen. Uh, albeit it wasn't Josh Rosen's great play that the defensive backs – had so many opportunities. Uh, they dropped two interceptions outright, and then the go-ahead touchdown was off a of defender's hands. It was incredible. It was it was an incredible collapse. Uh, it was it was stunning to say the least. But I, I feel for the man, and, and nobody should should go through what being tested as a um, being tested as a man. Like college football is crazy, but no one deserves that. Right, right. It was um. Was our man calling that game, Gus Johnson? I'm not sure who. I'm not sure who was on the call. Uh, but that sounds man. like a, a, a Gus Johnson game. It does. It's, it's a Gus, it does sound like the perfect Gus, Gus Johnson. I know game. it was on Fox, and I know he's you know their number one you know gun on Fox for college sports. But that just sounds like a game that he would show up at and just go crazy at the end. So you know, you know, put UCLA back on the map. We got people talking about them. You know, Josh Rosen had kind of been. You know, in the spotlight during the summertime, you know, we talked about his outspokenness and it kind of died down. But at least now, you know, people can understand that. Yeah, he got the game to go with the, you know, the, the big mouth, big shot attitude, too. So, you know, one time for him. And next we go to what was rendered as the biggest upset in college football history as Howard University defeated UNLV. They basically, you know, came saw and conquered they got the seven hundred thousand dollars and they got the win to go with it so you know big time tip of the cap to you know black college football um definitely the talk of you know everything that's been going on around the you know quote unquote you know hbcu ranks of college football so tyler we'll let you jump in notice you're real close to this and just talk about right. you know if you would have had a dollar just think if you would have had a dollar on this tyler a dollar, a dollar would have gotten you, um, gotten you five, uh, fifty five hundred dollars just on that one, just on that one game alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, this is this is one of the craziest situations 
in in uh, HBCU football because number one, you're dealing with a three star athlete who whose father told him that university. Newton only got four scholarship offers, and two of them were in the MEAC. Um, apparently, you know, people saying, why, why is this getting – and the first question after the win and in the immediate discussion this week was, why did he only get to um, four uh, considerably small schools and is that he's, he's 5'10", 175 soaking wet. So um, what's interesting enough is Cecil Newton – committed his son to Howard University before Howard hired their head coach in Mike London. Mike London is a guy seeking redemption. He was ran off at University of Virginia um, after some after a very mediocre coaching job there. And he also had some personal issues uh, while he stayed in the Virginia area. And this is really his second chance. And to London's credit, he totally jumped everything that Howard had done before and has switched from Howard's traditional pro set offense to a, uh, to a option, a, a triple option, almost a veer. Uh, it's a throwback. And we'll be talking about throwback college offenses in a, in, a, in a second when we get to the pro game. But Newton looked like he was the fastest guy on the field, uh, ended up accounting for well over 300 yards, uh, 190 on the ground, 100, another 140-plus in the air. Uh, whether or not Howard is going to make the leap to being one of the top uh, teams in the MEAC remains to be seen. They have an uber-friendly schedule this year, getting all the big teams at home and not having to play North Carolina a t So I got a feeling that as long as Newton stays healthy, uh, that's also a, that's a big deal when you're running the option offense. You're going to take a lot of hits. So I'm looking forward to see what they do and what kind of surprises, what other surprises they pull in the league because um, the, the, the conference is full of experience, experienced signal callers and a lot of great defenders. Several will be playing on Sundays. So, great. Yeah, and it was I'm, definitely I'm fun. Be following it for the rest of the season. Jesse, um, any buzz around the area, as they say, over the big win? Oh, yeah, people are really hyped, especially, you know, you have Mike London who, you know, like Tyler said, left Virginia and you know, leading the charge at Howard. And as we all know, Howard is not exactly a football school. Um, one of the worst records, I believe, the SCS or FCS. Yeah, one of, like, the worst records, you know, in the past, I want to say, three years. Um, so yes. there's a lot of... Ex- three years, they've won, I think, five games. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, people getting, you know, just shocking the world. And not Okay, let me back that up. There's a lot of people who are excited to see what, you know, could happen with you know, a really good experienced coach and with a quarter, you know, a freshman quarterback who can only get better. So fun times at Howard, fun times in DC too. Okay. Yeah. Talk about your Terps uh, pulling off the, the other big upset of the weekend, uh, going into Texas and running them out of the, out of their own stadium. Uh, you winning know, 51 to 41. I never thought I'd be able to say Maryland beat Texas in the football game in all of my years of life because you no, know, sure the last time we had, Great football success like 2001 when Ralph Friedman was still in town, you know, playing Florida in the Orange Bowl. But that was the most – it's fun. College football is so much fun because there is no defense. And, you know, with all that's happened in the last two years, DJ, Dirk, DJ Durkin now in the second year, recruit, with who had a really great recruiting class coming in this year, things can only go up. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, we're going to compete, you know, with the big guys in the Big Ten, but 
no, I'm definitely ready to see some upsets and some damn good football at least. And maybe we'll get back to those days one day. So I'm excited for the alma mater. All right. All right. Uh, another exciting game we'll just kind of give a little bit of time to was Tennessee and Georgia Tech. They went into an overtime situation, double overtime actually. And Tennessee comes from behind, gets the win. Bush Jones, another coach that's kind of got the temperature, you know, turned up underneath him, figured out a way to, you know, pull one out. It didn't look good. Georgia Tech was running their offense, and uh, their quarterback, Mitchell, was also connecting on some deep passes. But uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, as Tyler alluded to, when you run the option offense heavily, uh, Tennessee started, you know, getting some good hits on them, and Mitchell wasn't getting up as fast, and actually had to miss a series or two. And, of course, Tennessee's defense capitalized, and then their offense, uh, you know, scored touchdowns, and they made the comeback, got into overtime and won. Because Georgia Tech went for two. That was, you know, very brave of them, and Tennessee stopped them. So, just did you get a chance to see this game on Labor Day night? I did, and I thought, I was going to be like, oh, well, it's another year when everyone's telling me that Tennessee is going to be a great football team. I'm going to turn this off. I'll wake up. I'll listen to my podcast the next morning. I heard this game goes to overtime, and that Georgia, Texas wins the wins football well, not Texas. Tennessee wins the football game. So, yeah, lots of triple option. They've been playing the triple option since, I want to say, the beginning of time, but... <laughs> it's really predictable Georgia Tech football that we've all been seeing. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. What's uh, it's Tech uh, got the um, Tech has Tech was actually a passing school until Paul Johnson got there. Legend in the SES because he ran the program at um, at Georgia uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, the power, uh, it's a powerhouse that want that was right there with Youngstown State and Marshall, and they ran the triple option essentially to perfection. And he brought it along to uh, to Georgia Tech. Actually, his old quarterback uh, Tracy Ham also won a couple of national titles at at uh, Georgia Southern. So um, it's it's been it's made, it's been a fifteen year philosophy change. But Tech was uh, Tech was Tech's history has been you know they they. They they tend to had some uh, some great quarterbacks, but uh, the odd part is you've got a, you they always manage to get a big six four six five receiving threat to go down there and play and play for them. And you look at the last two pros that they've had, and uh, you know Calvin Johnson was the greatest greatest to ever do it, and Darnarian McCanson and for the Broncos isn't bad either. That's just, that's just an oddity that I'm, I always watch for Georgia Tech in, is at the receiver position. Mm-hmm. And you know they have to block, too. Yeah, their receivers do become real well-rounded guys because they don't get a lot of passes. They just have to make the most of their opportunities. And they tend to do that. So just a reminder, this is Know the Score. We can be found on CSPN.us. You can follow us on Twitter at KTSBot. So we're going to move to our second topic. NFL kicked off. The Patriots hung their banner Thursday night. They had the Kansas City Chiefs in town. Of course, we got all the pageantry. We got to see all five Super Bowl trophies. Even Julian Edelman limped out there on his bad knee to, to, to hold one up. Robert Kraft, I think he had the new Jordans that are going to retros that are going to be released in February. I think he was wearing yeah, Which retros do you wear? I didn't catch the pregame. Yeah, they look like yeah. the, he the new He the Stars and Stripes series of, uh, right. of Jordans. I think they're the Jordan 30s. Uh, no, the Jordan 31s, um, they came out with the Stars and Stripes edition. And Kraft, for all of his, his oddities, is a serious 
and I mean a serious sneakerhead. Dude has a shrine of personal edition sneakers from Jordans to John Volvados and all. He's a, he's a, he's a serious shoe head. Um, those particular shoes will be sold and auctioned off for charity, um, usually to the um, I forgot which one it is. I think it's going to be uh, Armed Forces related charity for these for these pair, but um, has taken advantage of his relationships with sneaker companies and does a lot of good for um, for the local communities. I wonder who's a bigger sneakerhead, him or Jerry Jones? Jerry oh, Jones crap. Rock crap easily. Okay. Definitely. Oh, yeah. You get point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm thinking back. I'm like, okay. Anywho. Anywho? The game Jerry's was... A, Jerry's a gunman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're anti-violence here. CSP anti-US. Of course. Uh, the game was played, and strange thing happened. The Kansas City Chiefs blew the doors off the New England Patriots in front of their home fans. 42-27. to Fantastic second half. The Chiefs outscored the Patriots 28-10. to uh, the, the Patriots defense was helpless. The Chiefs were doing anything that they wanted. Uh, 42 points. Of course, the most ever scored on the Belichick coach team while he was in New England. Um, we'll talk about Kareem Hunt right here. We'll start with Tyler, a young man uh, who basically thought he was going to be a backup, you know, spot duty type guy. Injuries happen. Next man up. First NFL game, first carry, and disaster he happens. He fumbles after fumbles. like a nine yard game. He fumbles, that. and uh, you know that was that was probably the only negative play he had. <laughs> uh, he every time he touched the ball, he was moving forward. He was carrying guys with him, uh, and of course, uh, when you have that ability and that speed, uh, Andy Reid's going to put you in a place where. You can take advantage of ups. So they line them up in the slot in the second half. They run. They've been running crossing patterns all 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 game long. He gets a matchup against the new um, Patriots blitzed linebacker Jamie Marsh. Marsh can't keep up with him. A perfect pass later. Hunt takes it to the house. Seventy uh seventy five yards. Tremendous play. Actually, it it, it just about salted the game away. Uh, typical typical uh, uh Chiefs. They get you in one-on-one matchups, and their outside guys flat outrun your your guys, and end them at the line of scrimmage. Long night because you will be chasing them. And of course, Tyreek Hill got loose on a long touchdown pass where uh, it was supposed to be in two deep zone coverage, and two uh, million dollar DB uh, Crockett. I mean, uh, uh, Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, Stephon Gilmore. Show, showing your age uh, with that Crockett Gilmore almost. I, I, I really <laughs> did. Um, he's, you know, he was supposed to step back and have have the deep, the deep portion, but he came, he pulled up short. Tariq kept going, and all of a sudden, it's another big play. Uh, the shocking part is that Alex Smith actually got the ball to him, and he did. And Smith was able to take some chances, albeit. Let's not forget that through the first quarter. Stymied, and it took some, and it took a goal, a uh, stop on fourth down to prevent the game from getting out of hand. It was almost, I mean, to be honest with you, it should have been fourteen nothing after two possessions. But um, gutsy called by Belichick to go for it on fourth down, and Eric Berry, who probably makes the play of the game by stopping, uh, stopping the Patriots, and sadly enough, that's probably going to be his only big play because he will be out for the season. 
after uh, after injuring his knee. He has a, uh, a ACL tear. So that's that's a really really uh, really sad for the Patriots. A really really big loss. I mean for the uh, Chiefs. It's a really big loss because Barry is essentially the heart and soul of that defense. You know, even though he's a veteran and a major source of inspiration, of course. Um, going going away from that, uh, Tom Brady was awful. Yeah, that, uh, Jesse. He missed twenty. He missed twenty passes, and they were all over the place. They were high. They were wide. They were some were short. Just just terrible. Uh, terrible passes. Jesse, have you ever? I mean, I know you're a Baltimore fan. Baltimore does make Tom Brady kind of look average. They have had a track record of playing, you know, Tom Brady pretty well. Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator of Kansas City, is actually now getting that reputation as uh, being able to kind of play Tom Brady to a level of, you know, you can hold him under 30. That's kind of a good job, 27 points. You know, you can work with that, um, you know, coming into the game. So, uh, is it that just a magic time that Tom Brady's finally gotten old before our eyes, or is it just, you know, no Edelman, Amendola got hurt during the game, Michael Mitchell was now on IR, uh, he just didn't have any chemistry with any of the guys that he was working with, you know, Gronk, he dropped a touchdown in the end zone, he missed him high a couple of times. What do you think? Is it just, you know, he fell off a cliff, or just, you know, he's got to get some chemistry with his new receivers? I don't think he's I don't think it's so much of dropping off of a cliff because if that is dropping off a cliff, let's let's, rem- let's not forget the last time. Um, sorry, the no, not in the playoffs, but the last time the Patriots and the Chiefs played each other in the regular season game, we also thought that Tom Brady dropped off a cliff and that he was done for. And then they just happened to go on to Cincinnati and go on to win the Super Bowl. I'm trying uh, yeah. to remember if that was that yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. They did win the Super Bowl. They beat Seattle. Yeah, so I think it's just Bob Sutton employing the same tactics that, you know, teams like the Baltimore Ravens have employed on the past with Tom Brady and just, you know, rushing him onto the quarterback and just making their, just giving Tom Brady no options to throw it to anyone. So sure, they're going to retool and they're going to, you know, go on and have a pretty damn good season like they will, but it's a blueprint that teams can and have used to beat the Patriots. So. Uh some more, some stats. Just uh, Kareem, uh, Kareem Hunt, excuse me, had 238 yards from scrimmage, um, most for a rookie in his first game ever in the NFL, of course. Uh, Alex Smith, 368 yards passing, four touchdowns, two of those over 50 yards. Um, as we stated in our NFC West preview, uh, Kansas City wanted to be a more vertical passing team this year. Uh, so far, so good. Um, so let's talk about the way that Andy Reid deployed his offense. Um, we've been saying nobody wants to run a college-style offense. Well, Tyler, I think we saw a whole bunch of college-style offense. We saw some speed option. We saw some, you know, triple option. We saw some wildcat. Um, you know, we saw some pistol. We saw some diamond. We saw some just, you know, all kinds of variations of formations. Um, you know, something that was very maybe caught the Patriots off guard. They weren't expecting so much. Um, I guess we'll call this an exotic look from the Chiefs. Um, I know you've been a big proponent of somebody being able to implement this into the NFL to help young quarterbacks out. But if we go back and think, Alex Smith is the original OG of the re-adoption quarterbacks. He's the first quarterback that Urban Meyer had when he started getting into, you know, the talk about being an elite coach in college football when he was at Bowling Green. 
So just talk to kind of how Andy Reid is progressing maybe football in a way that Chip Kelly failed to when we thought that Chip Kelly was going to be the mastermind behind the quote-unquote college-style offense. The difference between Chip Kelly and what Andy Reid is doing is that the talent necessarily didn't fit what Kelly was what Kelly wanted to do. Kelly has good good concepts and good ideas, able to have the pieces that fit. And uh, Andy Reid has decided to not only go with one philosophy, he's stick he's sticking to it, and it works. Go ahead and take the fast guy. Go ahead and you know not necessarily get the six the six five the or the six three um, the big target at. Or, you know, you may have your one big target, which he does at Travis Kelsey. But at the same time, focus on team speed. Focus on getting in space uh, because you know teams are going to have three or four linebackers on the field. Because two of them are going to be in coverage. Or if they bring all three and they're bringing seven, you've got a few seconds. And if you get the ball out to with your fast guys, you got a big play. Concept is all there. It's just a matter of executing it and hitting one or two of those three of those big plays. Kansas City hit three, and they went going away. So it's it's great to see. To be honest, I'm I was all you know. This was what Andrew Reid was trying to do in Philadelphia with and here Michael we go. Vick as well. Michael Vick is now the assistant coach. You might you, you know even though he's not running, he's seeing things that. Andy Reid is trying to do, and he's seeing the mismatches. So maybe Vic can have some influence in, uh, on Alex Smith and make him a better make him a better quarterback. Who knows? But the pressure is going to be on for them to score more because now you've got questions in the secondary. Right. With no Eric Berry, uh, teams are going to be trying to go over the top. Uh, Terrence held his own last night, even though he got flagged a bunch of times. He still held his own and, and got beat deep only once. Uh, you know, he did account for some penalties and he's going to have to clean that up. But if you're not being able, if you're not going to be able to beat them on the outside and if your tight end can't get deep, Kansas City can hold you under 30, under uh, 30 points. Oh, yeah. Their pass rush, uh, once they, you know, established a, a working margin, they unleashed Justin Houston and the front four got more aggressive. And uh, they really gave. They really gave Tom Brady a lot of problems. Um, you know, of course, Tom Brady, just like a really quarterback, very mortal when he starts to feel pressure and you do get pressure and you do start putting him on the ground. Um, they got three sacks on Tom Brady all in the second half. So very impressive, very impressive effort by the Kansas City Chiefs. Jesse, is there anything else that you'd like to add on just this primetime game? Pettiness of any sort? Um, the memes were pretty good that came out, especially uh, Tom Brady being angry. Uh, the Angels signed when the Patriots lost. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, that was a big uh, uh, result on social media. It's always fun to see the Patriots lose. Um, what's also fun is shopping on Amazon. You can do that through CSPN.us, and you can also help keep all the podcasts that we have here free. Just go on our website, visit CSPN.us while you're listening to all your favorite shows, and at the same time, click on the banner that says "Keep the podcast free." And then click on Amazon.com. Do your shopping, whether it's for a Halloween costume, early Christmas shopping, birthdays, or just the best deal that you can find on something that you've been waiting to spend your money on. And you can help also keep all of our podcasts free here at CSPN.us by 
having some of your purchase come back to the network and everybody can continue to listen to us free of charge. So please, CSPN.us and Amazon.com, do it today. Now, of course, we're going to get into the NFL Week 1 preview as the NFL full slate of games kicks off, minus the Florida Bowl between Tampa Bay and Miami. Um, Thoughts out, prayers out to everybody down in South Florida, Miami, uh, the Keys, Fort Myers, uh, Jacksonville, Orlando. Looks like all those places are going to, you know, receive a lot of this damage, Daytona. So, you know, all of our listeners and people with family down there, you know, thoughts and prayers to Georgia, Atlanta, as the storm moves through. So, um, the best, you know, games on the slate, besides the ones that we care about, um, are two. So, we're going to talk about the Raiders and the Titans, first off. Um, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota coming back from similar injuries as both quarterbacks had uh, lower broken legs at the end of the season last year. Uh, Raiders are looking to, you know, move up into the upper upper echelon, looking at the team. Maybe that could compete with the Patriots as to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. Titans are a team that a lot of people are picking to win the division because uh, the AFC uh, South has a lot of quarterback issues and they seem to have the most stable quarterback and, uh, you know, everything is trending up towards the Titans. So, Jesse, let me get you in here first. Who do you think win this game? Uh, Who do you like uh, going forward as far as, you know, just predictions in the season as we didn't really get to hear much from you to talk about NFL during our previews. So, you know, just talk about the Raiders and the Titans, um, which you expect out of the game and maybe for both teams going forward in the season. Hmm. I'm going to, something tells me I'm going to put, you know, just my, I'm going to pick the Titans, not the Titans, sorry. I'm going to pick the, oh, the Raiders to win this. Um, The AFC South in regards to the Titans winning that division. It's so, I mean, you, there's not a whole, I mean, there's a lot going on there, but not a lot of great, like there's not a whole lot of division. I mean, separation between you know the Texans with, you know, they have a, are they going the rookie quarterback Deshaun? No, not, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Uh, they're going to start off with Savage, and then they're going to see how it goes. So they're going to go to Deshaun Jackson. and They're, they're going to go to Deshaun Watson eventually in the season. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, if Savage doesn't Savage play good, not. yeah, then. But who knows? You never know. Okay. Um, <laughs> then we have, we have in Indy, we have no Andrew Luck. So they're going with their backup quarterback, which is Tolzien. Yes, ma'am. And then we have in Jacksonville, <laughs> Blake Bortles? Yeah. And in Tennessee, yeah, Mariota. Okay. It's just, like I said, not a whole lot of separation between the AFC South. But, yeah, the Texans, I mean, not the, the Titans could win that division. But I'm still going to pick the Raiders to pick win the game because okay. um, the pieces they have, especially on offense, and then their defense is just better than the Titans in my mind. Do you think the Raiders have a chance to dethrone the Patriots this year and represent them uh, AFC in the Super Bowl? Oh no 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 not 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 on that level. I mean they'll be good, okay. but I don't think they're gonna like. Oh yeah, they're gonna be the ones to take them down. Maybe they could, but I'm not seeing it. Okay, Tyler, we're gonna uh, talk to you about the Seahawks and the Packers. That'll be a late game um, NFC showdown. Maybe a preview of the NFC, uh, you know, divisional round games. Um, you know, they have played some epic games before Seahawks uh, you know went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago by defeating the Packers in the NFC Championship game miraculous comeback uh, in the last seconds by Russell Wilson um, of course they had the infamous Monday Night Football game the, the you know was it a touchdown no it wasn't a touchdown uh, when they had to strike uh, referees that uh, actually caused a real ref to 
you know, to come back. So there's a lot of history here. Aaron Rodgers, undoubtedly, you know, the best quarterback in the league, probably going up against the best secondary in the league. Uh, no doubt the best secondary in the league when uh, Earl Thomas is healthy, which he is. Cam Chancellor back there, Roman. Um, this has a lot of, you know, individual matchups. It should be a lot of fun. Just talk about who do you expect to win and, you know, what do you see, you know, as far as going forward in the season uh, for these two teams? I tend to go with the team that doesn't have to be one-dimensional. It's Seattle. Uh, even though they have a running back by committee, that's still a better situation than what the Packers have, which, I mean, they're still aligning uh, – aligning uh, Montgomery as their their running back. So I I really, I'm not sure if they still, if they're going to even fool anybody and just instead of going with the, uh, with trying to run him between the tackles, uh, just maybe use him in the short passing game and then maybe give it to the fullback at short yardage. But other than that, I am really, really not sure if you're going to be, you're going to tell the Seattle Seahawks, that we're going to throw the ball down the field and we're going to dare you to make a play. Plus, plus Seattle has Earl Thomas back. So, uh, oh, yeah, there's also a pass rush there now with Sheldon Richardson. So I would favor Seattle just because I believe that Seattle still can score on offense. If they go back to Jimmy Graham, and, and don't forget that he's on the field and he's probably the biggest mismatch you have, then there's no reason why they should be able to outscore uh Green Bay, uh, say something like thirty-one to twenty or thirty-one twenty-four, something like that. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a uh, as a owner of Aaron Rodgers in fantasy football in our CSPN league. This is a very tough game for me to uh, to decide who I want to start at quarterback because you know Aaron Rodgers could all the points could come from his arm, but you know Seattle's defense is so good, so this is kind of iffy. So we're going to talk about the games that matter to us, meaning the ones of us that are hosting this show. And we're going to start with Jesse's team, the Baltimore Ravens, as they're going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals division game, first game right off the bat. Jesse, how you feeling? How you feeling confident? And Brian Mallett out there, or is Joe Flacco back? Is he going to be there for the first game? Terrence West, potential, you know, breakout running back this year. How do you feel about Baltimore versus Cincinnati? Gosh, okay. Um, so we're gonna, they're going to try out Joe Flacco with a trick bag. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to hope this game, you know, is very run heavy just because Flacco's throwing game is not something that, you know, has led us. I mean, not not since the 2012, Super, the 2013 Super Bowl season. 2012, 2013. Yeah, that, that season. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have – the way we could, I think the way we could win this game is just to leave it on the ground instead of trying to air it out. Um, defense, I mean, one for once, I'm not as concerned about the safety position, but I'm pretty sure that AJ Green is still going to put up yards against us. Um, can I confidently say they will win? No, but I don't think Cincinnati is looking like hot stuff either. So. It'll be. I think. I think it'll be a close one, but it's not. It's not. I don't think the defenses will roll the day. So. Okay, Tyler, you got any uh, any thoughts on Ravens and Bengals? Um, I think you just throw the ball to AJ Green, let him have his way against Baltimore's defense. But you need to try not to try to throw sixty yarders, but you need to throw 
just um, 15 to 20 yarders and stretch their defense out and not focus on trying to make your, you know, trying to put your quarterback on the ground. Uh, give them something to think about. Um, use your use your backs. Uh, you know, you got a decent stable. You got uh, hopefully you get a healthy Gio, Gio Bernard back. Uh, you get a after a lackluster season, you get uh, you get Hill back, and you run those guys. And now you got a new threat in Joe Mixon. Uh, Mixon is is your he's a dual threat type runner. He can he can catch. He can also do some things um, if you pull him up between the tackles and let him go at it. So who's going to be the every down back? Um, I think Cincinnati should settle in, settle in and mix in some play action and uh, keep Baltimore's defense on his toes. Uh, the only way Baltimore can win this would be if they force some Andy Dalton mistakes and capitalize on the short on the shorter fields because uh, I just can't see them having to go long drives and beating uh, the Bengals who you know, okay. still are a solid defense. We'll transition to my favorite team, the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, coming in, the Washington football team, five in a row versus the Eagles. Kirk Cousins, personally, four in a row. Um, things working against us. Jay Gruden, 0-3, home openers as Redskins coach or Washington football team coach. Um, new receiving core, no longer with uh, – Pierre Garçon or Deshaun Jackson. Now we're stepping in with hopefully Doxon and Terrell Pryor. Um, Eagles defense really scares me because they're fast and they got a quick uh, defensive line. Really gives Washington football team offensive line a lot of trouble when it comes to pass protection. Uh, Our biggest advantage in this game would be to run the ball just like last year in the second game where uh, Chris Thompson basically uh, took over the game, got two long touchdown runs. Uh, Robert Kelly, not that Robert Kelly, um, you know, had a nice couple, you know, touchdown run in like 90 yards. So that was probably be my key to the game. Uh, if the Washington football team can get 90 yards rushing or around there and have the attempts, uh, Jay Gruden is known to abandon the running game for the passing game when things don't work early. But I think in this game, we will be uh, best advised to just kind of stick with it, even if it's not working early. Help Kirk Cousins uh, get some play action passes and see if uh, Terrell Pryor can get down the field uh, and uh, Jordan Reed can work the middle of the field and they can get some big passing plays. Uh, that's kind of be my big thing. Just can they hold on to the ball on offense and uh, defense? Uh, can we get the quarterback on the ground and get off the field on third down? Uh, looking to see our linebackers make a lot of plays, a lot of tackles, especially uh, Zach Brown, new addition in the middle with Mason Foster, kind of changing up our middle linebacking crew, see if Junior Gillette can provide some third down pressure. And uh, the big guy, Jonathan Allen, see if he can provide some pressure from the defensive line. That will help a lot to see if we can get Carson Wentz and these guys off the field. So, Tyler, I know you're a fellow NFC East uh, follower. So, uh, what do you think about this game outside looking in? Uh, you're right. Um, the Eagles actually got better on defense in the offseason, uh, getting a, a heck of a trade to upgrade their secondary uh, with the uh, with the Rams. So, it's one of the sneakiest um, things that of improvement in the NFC East is the Eagles secondary. I think they're going to be much better than advertised i still have to i still have pause when i think about the eagles and their offense because they're coming off a year where they had worst receiving core 
in the league. Now, they did attest that with an upgrade, Jordan Matthews. It's made Nelson Angelor um, the guy, along with uh, the new number one is Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey has fared well as a number two, and now he's going to be the big target. The question is, will Nelson Angelor flourish when he gets his one-on-one matchups? Because he is a borderline bust as of right now. So, uh, that being said, Carson Wentz now has two targets. I hope that he will continue to improve as uh, I personally have to root for him because he is an FCS guy. Even though he came from the best FCS team to play over the past 10 years, plays well, that gives teams, you know, that gives scouts uh, other directions to look as far as uh, quarterbacks. And I think the NFL needs all the talent it could possibly get at the position. And some of his talent isn't necessarily at the uh, BCS level. Uh, that being said, I uh, that I that I like. I wish that tight end was a few miles southeast in Dallas. But uh, he has three guys to throw to. Um, Philly's got to get better on the offensive line so they can run the football. Uh, but I personally believe this game will be won by the first team who scores three touchdowns. Uh, both teams will struggle to score against each other. And I think that whoever, uh, obviously the turnover battle is going to figure out because this game's going to be close. So whoever can force turnovers uh, will likely win, but I'm going to consider the e- the Eagles 21-20. All right, Jesse, uh, any thoughts on the Washington football team in Philadelphia before we move on? Um, I'm going to also go with Philly just because the, red, the, the Washington football team looks a mess. Um, you know, you have a quarterback who is eh, but also makes really stupid play, make decisions on the play and sometimes can't check down the ball. Uh, Philadelphia's defense got better, and I guess another year out of Carson Wentz, if that matters for anything. So, yeah, I'll take Philly and win that game. We'll see. We'll see. Now <laughs> we're going to move on to the primetime matchup on Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys represented here by Tyler Ball versus the New York football Giants. Uh, last year, this was a great opening night game. New York Giants, with the aid of a uh, little bit of mismanagement of the clock by the Cowboys, snuck out the win. Tyler, Ezekiel Elliott looks like not only he's going to be playing this game, but now he has been fouled at restraining order in an injunction. And it's like he might get the whole season now as the NFL continues to bungle his suspension and, uh, you know, how they're handling his domestic violence case. So keep him against the football. How do you feel about your chances now? That it looks like Odell Beckham may be 50-50, but I'm pretty sure by the time 8.30 rolls around, it'll be 90-10. Um, if he's going to play or not, um, your thoughts on your opening first first week game with the Giants? Well, let's 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 not be so hasty here. Even with Zeke healthy, the Giants beat the Dow- beat the Dallas Cowboys twice last season because they shut down Elliott. Elliott didn't get on the edge. He didn't get in space. He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't break tackles. Uh, and one thing that's very underrated about the Giants. Very, very well. Uh, so Zeke wasn't able to get outside and use his speed on people. So I have um, I have trepidations uh, when you're dealing with Eli Manning and you're dealing with the receiving core that's that's gotten better. 
and you have a Dallas Cowboy team that does not generate a good pass rush, and their top two pass rushers will not play, either due to injury or suspension, uh, Eli is going to actually have more time than not to throw the football. And usually when he has time, he does above average work. When he's under pressure, though, he's terrible. Even with Zeke back and the and the confidence boost that the Cowboys get is who is going to take uh, Cole Beasley in the slot. That slot matchup is going to determine the winner of this game simply because if Dak Prescott does not take any chances deep and he's still having tunnel vision, looking for his old reliable guy being either the tight end or Cole Beasley, and that guy is blanketed, he's going to hold. Uh, Dak is going to hold on to the ball. And he's going to be sacked. So, this is great offensive line. They proved that cover sacks can happen. Uh, Dez was unable to get open in either contest against the against the Giants uh, corners. So, if you give or take, the, the Dallas offense has looked good all preseason long. However, they haven't seen a uh, the first unit hasn't seen a fast rush as good as the Giants. So, um, Give, give or take the first game jitters. And the fact that the, that Eli Manning plays very, very well in Texas Stadium, Jerry World, I'm going to pick the Giants. Going Giants 31, Cowboys, uh, Cowboys 28. They win in the fourth quarter. All right. Very similar to last year's game. Jesse, yep. your thoughts. Cowboys, New York Giants. Jesse, you're on mute. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants in this game as well, just because – what, why am I going with the Giants? I mean, yeah, my gut says to go with the Giants. That's all I got. I don't have any like deep down analysis for this game, but my gut says Giants, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, they've had a very good, as Tyler was saying, they've had a very good track record, especially in Texas here lately with Eli. Um, you know, this has been the opening night game, I think the last, I don't know, two years in a row, but I think three, and I think the Giants have won the last two. So um, Four out I, of the past six years, and Giants have won three. Yeah, it's it's you know very leaning towards the Giants very heavily. Uh, the trend is anyway. Uh, like Tyler was saying, the Giants' defensive line is very good. Um, their secondary, especially now with Landon Collins turning into one of the better defensive safeties in the league, uh, he can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. Um, he can return it for a touchdown. He's making a lot of tackles. They've got Janoris Jenkins on the outside locking up your best receiver. So they're going to be very formidable on defense. I don't think they're going to allow a lot of points unless you can somehow run on them because their linebackers may be their weakness right now on defense. As far as the Cowboys go, um, like Tyler was saying, it's all about that. Um, you know, can he become this down the field passing threat where he does catch more of the big plays that are there for him, that are singled up for him through Zeke running the ball and and the matchup problems that he causes by being able to catch the ball out of the backfield and Coles Be- Beasley and uh, Witten. So just uh, I think all season, just kind of how many 20-yard, 30-yard, you know, pass plays uh, that Prescott gets in the course of the season will tell a lot about his progression. And uh, if the Cowboys do have a very serious chance, it's challenging to be the representative of the NFC for the Super Bowl this year. Um, if he improves a lot or they, you know, scheme him up where he can make a lot more impact plays by throwing the ball, Cowboys are going to be very dangerous because, um, you know, even if something does happen to Zeke where he does get suspended or, you know, things don't work out um, as far as, you know, his head's not right or whatever, he's struggling a little bit. Alfred Morris and uh, Darren McFadden have really impressive preseasons, and uh, they didn't show a lot of drop-offs. So, um, 
you know, it's going to be a very intriguing game. I, I think the Cowboys are going to actually find a way to win this game. Um, you know, they've been dealing with a lot um, as far as off the field goals this summer, and I think they're just ready to see somebody else to, you know, finally unleash all this pent-up frustration. Jerry's going to really want this one. National TV kind of stick it to the league after kind of what they did to him with the Zeke thing. So I'm going to go to reverse of what Tyler said. I'm going to say the Cowboys are going to be the ones with 31 and the Giants are going to have 28. So those are our thoughts on the just, you know, big games weekend, uh, opening weekend of the NFL. Good luck to everybody this season. Hopefully nobody gets injured. Uh, week one, major injuries, uh, you know, out for the season type injuries. That's already happened in Kansas City with Eric Berry. Tariq Hill also came up lame. Um, haven't heard anything about what that was. Hopefully it was just a maybe a calf strain or something like that. They've got 10 days off, so they may be able to get him back on the field. Dante Hightower, another person who got injured for the Patriots, uh, MCL sprain. They said maybe because they've got 10 days off, he may be able to go next week. So lucky for him, he didn't, you know, suffer anything more serious than that. So at this time, I'm going to open it up to Jesse for her final thoughts. Sure. Um, first of all, uh, my thoughts to those in Florida who are battering down and um, getting prepared for Hurricane Irma strikes. Um, as for sports relating goings on, I think it's going to be sad to say this, but Maryland might be the only team that I support who won't disappoint me this year. So... This is a new one for me. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything deep or introspective to add here, but I just had that thought, and I wanted to let that out. Blessings come in all shapes and forms, Jesse. I don't know about that right now, but hey, <laughs> good times. <laughs> Tyler, your final thought? Um, I just want to give attention and thought to the uh, the folks that are in Houston, Miami, the Caribbean islands and all those uh, families that lives have been uh, completely changed by the aftermath of these back-to-back hurricanes that have affected communities. Um, You know, my, my family has been affected by hurricanes before and that, uh, you know, that's, that's a life changing experience. Um, And, you know, my thoughts and prayers are are with them all. Uh, You know, if you want to contribute, donate, wherever you wherever you can uh just do what you can and you know be there for the people that you that you're in contact with check on there check on your folks um sports wise um give a shout out to our uh producer co-founder uh classic uh he uh wanted me to mention this um i was able to talk with um steven gaither who is the uh head of hbcu game day the CIAA or the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, a Division II league uh, that is um, H- historically uh, HBCU centric. They have, they do have one. Uh, P- uh, they will have one institution, a Catawba, that is predominant, predominantly white. However, uh, the athletic directors have agreed to cancel the visitors' portion of the halftime, uh, quote unquote, Battle of the Bands to speak. Um, as the NCAA has put in stricter guidelines for halftime. This is unfortunate. Um, being an HBCU football fan, the HBCU bands provide a unique experience for, uh, and, a, for and they're a, a very important form of entertainment to HBCU football games. Uh, fans look to see if their alma mater's band 
brought it against the visiting team's bands when they showed up. Uh, to not have the visiting band play is a travesty. It is. It is. You're you're robbing the experience of the paying public for people who came to see the bands. Even though even though uh, some visitors' bands are even are worth the price of your attendance. I know the game. I know it's a football game, but that experience, which is very unique to HBCUs, is exactly why the games are considered as special as they are. Uh, for those kids going on the road and and be and being at your best to show against the home team's band is almost like competing as an athlete yourself. You train hard, you put in the countless amounts of hours to being a, a better instrumentalist, and you want to perform. Taking away that opportunity to perform is it, it's, it's robbery, and it's very unfortunate because you want to put a time limit on entertainment. Uh, I believe it's wrong, and I believe that you're taking away from the HBCU experience, which is one of the most unique experiences in all of college football. All right. My final thought will be give a shout out to Venice Williams and Sloan Stevens as they had an epic semifinal match at the U S open on Monday, on Thursday night, um, taking uh, probably a lot of the audience away from the football games. Football ratings were down. Uh, this match was definitely going on in the first half uh, when the football game was first starting. Uh, Sloan uh, won in three sets. Of course, the final set was 7-5. Uh, the fifth set um, was definitely a battle of wheels. Um, Venus was a little shaky in the first set. Um, she seemed to find her legs and calm her nerves in the second. And then the third, you know, was just a dog fight. And Sloan with maybe the little younger legs and, you know, um, you know, just kind of won the war of attrition. But definitely give a tip of the cap to Venus. Um, definitely a good effort. And, you know, she was definitely the sentimental favorite to win this match. Everybody was pulling hard for her um, at the uh, court and on social media. So, um, you know, just going to be... Um, first time um, Americans are going to be women are going to be in the finals and it not be Serena or Venus at the U.S. Open since Lindsay Davenport, I think. So just kind of speaks another, you know, tip of the cap to the Williams sisters and just their dominance overall. So good luck to Sloan. I think she's playing um, Keys. I think it is, Tyler, right? Yes, Madison Keys versus yeah, Madison Keys. Keys. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. final, and that is uh, so. Good luck to both of those young ladies. Um, you know, kind of new faces in tennis. It's always fun. You know, when you kind of maybe not a changing of the guard. Just you know, Serena wasn't able to compete, so you know maybe they're just borrowing the crown for this year. I guess we'll say. So good luck to them. And for Jesse at that so Jesse and Tyler at TA Ball One. I'm Don Delarente at Don Delarente, and now you know the score. Bye, everybody.